Shallowy driving it toward the back post for Zussi, who puts it back across, and Shelton slots it home! Zussi can have a hit from here, he does, and Graham Zussi re-elect Graham Zussi! Shallowy knocks it in! The Hungarian assassin has given Sporting KC the lead! It's Russell! This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello and welcome to the final edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show for 2023. This is Nate Bucati joined by the voice of Sporting Kansas City, Ali Trost Martin, as we will be looking back on what was an unforgettable 2023 season and ahead to next year. Happy holidays, everybody. And hello, Ali. How are you? What's going on? Nate, I am I'm good. It's so good to see you and chat with you. And uh, man, can't believe that the end of the season is here. It was so bittersweet. It was such a a difficult end that game against Houston. But at the same time, the the sweet part comes from the fact that that final stretch of the season provided some of the most joy to me and to sporting Kansas city fans as, as we've had in a while and some thrilling games. So definitely a season that will be reflected upon it as one of the most interesting in sporting Kansas city history, but one that was wildly entertaining nonetheless. But I, I, on the other hand, I I'm good, had a great Thanksgiving uh, gearing up for Christmas and soon enough we'll be back for another mls season <laughs> in just uh, about over a month so kind of crazy to think about that as well it's uh, it's a short off season there's no doubt about that let's go ahead and lay out the menu for everybody uh here in our first segment we're going to look back on that final playoff game against houston some controversy in that game we're going to play some comments from peter vermese his thoughts on the season and the way it all ended we're going to talk about a couple of club legends leaving as there were some roster moves announced just in the days after that loss to the Houston Dynamo. We'll hear from Peter Vermees about that as well. In the second segment, I'm going to have a conversation with Tom Bogert, who is one of the top, maybe the top guys when it comes to covering Major League Soccer. And it's already been a busy offseason in MLS and we'll preview the MLS Cup final, which I'm going to head to this weekend in Columbus, Ohio, between Columbus and LAFC as well. So you want to join Tom and me for that segment. And then Allie and I will look back on our favorite moments of this sporting Kansas City season and also talk about some big international news when it comes to matches coming to Kansas City this next year. So, Allie, let's go ahead and get it started. Uh, look, it was a tough one in Houston, sporting Kansas City fall by a final score of 1-0, there was the potential for a handball and a red card. Uh, the pro referees organizations basically come out and said it should have been a handball and a red card, but maybe not clear and obvious. It's still kind of leaning on that a little bit. Uh, your thoughts on on the way things ended in Houston for Sporting KC? Yeah, it just frustrating disappointing and you know after the match hearing players talk about it and even just kind of my takeaways from calling that match in Houston the the call would have been a huge game-changing moment and I think honestly could have put sporting in a good position to equalize and send it to extra time or even come out with the win but that said outside of that moment sporting Kansas City did have other opportunities to find the back of the net mm -hmm. and they didn't. And I think when you, you listen to different players like the captain, Johnny Russell talk after the game, there was more so a disappointment in how sporting came out in that game 
that that overshadowed a little bit more the the no call uh, on the handball in the box because Houston on the night were the better team, but ultimately Houston get knocked out by LAFC in the conference final for something that I thought was a huge glaring issue with this Houston Dynamo team and that they just weren't all that clinical in front of goal. The fact that they left the door open for sporting to equalize at any point in that game told me that the Dynamo, despite having the better of the chances, weren't a team that was going to to really punish you if if you gave them enough opportunity to. And, and Houston had plenty of opportunities in that game to do just that. So I think how Houston exited the competition kind of was their their Achilles throughout the entire you know playoff. But I think for Sporting Kansas City, um, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to be disappointed when this was not a situation we thought sporting Kansas city was going to be in after the, the 10 matches without a win to start. Um, it just kind of felt like they were playing with house money a little bit and they just weren't the better team on the night, but you know, you gotta be a little disappointed with that call, especially given how much sporting were impacted by, uh, a no call back in 2021 against real salt Lake on decision day as well. So it's, it's kind of unfortunate that they've been on the uh, negative end of these crucial calls at crucial times in uh, the MLS season. It's a difficult season to contextualize uh, in, in a in black or white manner in terms of, was it a success? Was it a failure uh, with the way things started to fight all the way back and get into the playoffs and make the run that they did and have the disappointing game of the playoffs. There's just, it was a real roller coaster of emotions through the course of this year. Peter Vermees, when he spoke to the media wrapping up the season, was asked that very question. And as you're about to hear, it's a complicated answer. I think the competitor in myself and all the players would say that um, it, it, it wasn't a what I would define as a successful season. Like, I, because I, you at the end, you're you're always trying to win, you know, a trophy, and you're trying to win MLS Cup. I mean, that's what every single team in the league is is, is that's their attempt. That's their that's their, you know, if you will, that's their goal to start the season. Um, and we didn't we didn't do that. Um, but I'm not going to let that overshadow um, a number of things, and that would be. Um, something that really resonates with me and look, I, I'm sure I have different thoughts in another week, you know, but in, in a short period of time since the season has ended. Um, and it's very short for me because I'm still dealing with things from the game that occurred. Um, I would say that one of the big things that resonates with me is culture. I think that you don't, um, you don't have the kind of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, if you want to call it turnaround or what have you. You don't have it um, in the way that we did, uh, in the way that we performed, you know, from whatever that date is, May 1st on, whatever. You, you don't have that. If it, You don't have that kind of turnaround. You don't have that kind of an, uh, um, commitment from the players um, if you don't have a strong culture. And I've always, uh, from the first day that I took over the team, um, I, I laid out what the four pillars of our culture are. Um, and we have made all of our decisions based on those four uh, pillars. And so it was incredibly impressive for me to watch and see 
how the guys stayed committed over that time and 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 we're able to um, dig down deep and stay focused on what the you know what the mission was when nobody believed nobody believed that it could be possible um, the disappointment is is that um, is that they they weren't given a fair opportunity at the end of it all right, so there's Peter Vermees, and he does close it out by talking about the fact that the players he didn't feel got a fair shake in this deal. But, Ali, I think you also brought up a point. You know, you've got your designated player, Alan Polito, with a chance right before that to score a goal. He has a couple of chances in the second half to score goals as well. And I'm not trying to put all the, the blame on him or anything like that, but I remember, you know, you were on the call on radio. I was on the call on Fox with Tony Miola, and, and the first thing Tony Miola said, when we started the pregame show was when you get to a game like this, you can throw all of the statistics out and all that stuff. Your star players need to step up and have big moments. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And for sporting, they just didn't get that big moment from one of their star players in the game. And, and that's how their season ends up uh, finishing. And I think that that's maybe one of the things that I would have taken away from the end of this as well as yes, a call that should have been made. Yeah, 100%. And I think that is another one of the disappointing parts. That is how playoffs are always reflected upon. Who who shined? Who came out and took their team to new heights and, and new levels? And and I think for Sporting Kansas City, that, that reliance on depth or, or on your stars, but also needing more depth as well. When we look at some of the other matchups across Major League Soccer, uh, and the matchup that's going to be taking place in MLS cup in the final, you've got a Columbus crew side that they were able to, to lean on maybe an unlikely hero in, in uh, Christian Ramirez who came into the game and, and, and was the hero for them. And and it's sometimes it just, you never know what it's going to take exactly. And that sometimes is a story that you only know after it's been told, but I think for sporting Kansas city, they just, they didn't have it on the night and it, it was unfortunate, you know, not to see Alan Polito capitalize in that moment, um, that, that one moment in the match, but on a couple of other occasions. And, and I think, you know, that is what maybe makes the loss a little bit more palatable given the no call is that, you know, it wasn't like sporting were, were right there with Houston the whole time in terms of how the, the performances felt uh, when watching both of them, despite what the scoreline was, was suggesting. Now, as a broadcaster, as a play-by-play announcer, Ali, I always am looking for the big storyline, right? I'm always looking for, is there something really dramatic that's going to happen in this game? What will I say if it does, and, and will it do it justice? And you're not supposed to root, of course, when you're doing network games, and I feel like I gave Houston every bit the call that they deserved in the game. This wasn't really even so much about sporting Kansas City, but what I was internally rooting for was when Graham Zusi and Roger Espinoza came into the game. What if one of those guys had one special moment left? Oh, you know, one and you last... thought that they, you thought they would because they came in and the team immediately looked better. I think Sporting after they made those subs, maybe they just needed a little bit more time, but they started looking a lot more direct in their play. And that was something that me and Jacob were really just waiting to see. Like, oh gosh, you know, Houston is is press you know they've got sporting kind of pinned back in their own half they they were hard to to turn over on the ball but when sporting did 
you know, you just got to go, you got to get forward and, and sporting over the season became a team that had more dangerous abilities on the counterattack. And I was hoping to see more of that, but they did look like they were going to find maybe not a goal, but a few more close chances through Roger Espinoza and Graham Zussi's impact when they came into the game. And man, that would have been a fantastic story if it, if it would have come to fruition. Well, it, it's uh, fairy tales don't always play out, you know, the way that you, you, you thought. And and one of the things that happened when they went into the game, I remember thinking as well, this could very well be the last time these two guys take the field for Sporting Kansas City. We didn't know for sure at the time, but, you know, the 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 writing, well, I think the, there was the, the term inevitable was what I think Peter Vermees used. We're going to play his comments here in a minute, but we did find out just that next Friday, Sporting Kansas City making some roster moves. Options declined on players like Kendall McIntosh, Cam Duke, uh, Courtney Ford, and, of course, Roger Espinosa and Graham Zussi. Now, Peter did say they might try to work something out with Courtney Ford to see if they can bring him back. Uh, so there's still a possibility there. Gotti Kinda is a situation that they might have to try to work out as well going into next season. But he did basically say... For Graham Zussi and Roger Espinoza, their time as players for Sporting Kansas City has come to an end. You could tell it was hard for Peter to talk about. It's an emotional day. It's it's an inevitable thing in sports. We have to say goodbye to heroic players at some point in time, but it's never easy, Allie. Never, and, and especially for two guys who, I mean, legends in every sense of the word, two players that have been a part of so many iconic sporting Kansas city moments in their careers and just good people, people who have embodied everything it means to represent sporting Kansas city and be a part of, of that organization. They have been incredible, just advocates of the game. They've been so, so impactful in the community and, I just like I can't even believe it, even though we we knew that, you know, at some point this would this would come. It's just it's hard to imagine sporting Kansas City without Graham Zusi and Roger Espinoza, not only for the ways in which they've impacted this team on the field, because the the ways in which they've done that are are countless, but even as their careers, as they got older in their careers, the way that that impact continued to grow, Roger Espinoza has always been a player that Peter Vermees has credited in being that glue guy in the locker room. Anytime a new player comes in, he's that that person who's helping, you know, add another chair at the table to make guys feel comfortable, especially players who come in and don't speak English very well. He's the one that's helping translate it and be that just connecting piece. Graham Zussi is a player who has shown so many incredible just bits of his character throughout his career, his ability to, to change positions and become an elite right back in major league soccer, the way that he has mentored young players like Caden Pierre and Jake Davis and, and leaving the position in as good of hands as he has, he is now with what we've seen uh, in the progression of Jake Davis this last season, what we know sporting Kansas city have and a player like Caden Pierre, who are the two, you know, now standing right backs on the team, but uh, just the impact Graham Zussi coming off now a humanitarian of the year award, um, which is no surprise to anyone who knows even a fraction of the things that he does often without any spotlight on him to, to better Kansas city and help people who just really need it. It's just two incredible people who have had two very decorated and successful careers and have just been, have meant so much to this club. And I, I'm just so fortunate to have had a chance to cover both players and they've 
provided so many incredible moments and have been so kind to me as well. And I know you feel the same way, Nate. It's just two of the very best. No, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And they will be legends. They will be honored at Children's Mercy Park. It's just a matter of time. Let's hear what Peter Vermees had to say about two of the best players that he ever has had, ever has had a chance to coach. You know, especially for those two guys, this this uh, this is a it's a sad day for Sporting Kansas City um, for us. Um, in that, you know, uh, the speed in which we have to separate and, and these situations are never easy. They never really work out the way that everyone um, that wants them to, right? Because, um, and I mean that in in, in the sense that. Um, Everybody would like to continue on and keep going, but at some point the 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 situation becomes inevitable. And uh what I will say is that I, I can't thank both those guys for their service to this to this organization over the years. They're incredible professionals um on the field, unbelievable integrity and character as people off the field. Um they uh have just been, you know, two players that I spent almost my entire time here um with and i and i feel like uh the relationship is more than just a a coach and, and a player and vice versa um you know it at times there was situations where i could just look at them and they knew what i was thinking and and and, and vice versa and so um that's at, at some point when that time is right the club will will honor those guys will will so celebrate their unbelievable careers with the club uh and um, it'll be done in a time when it's 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 best for everyone. Um, but I but I can't thank those two guys enough for everything that they did. Just two special guys, um, uh, two guys that you know spent all, all their time with me here, except for Rogers' uh, short stint over in the EPL, um, and then returning back to us. Uh, there, there's no doubt that those two guys are legends in this club, and I'm sure they will be at some some near time. Um, probably as, as soon as the opportunity opens up for them to be that just because of, of, of their uh, contributions here. So uh, I can't say enough. It, it's, it's a, it's a tough one for me because those guys are, are um, you know, a part of my time and a part of uh, uh, part of this club in, in the way that they are. So again, I just want to say thank you for everything that they've done. All right, so there's Peter Vermees on Graham Zussi and Roger Espinoza, and it really does feel like the end of an era because we've seen a lot of the other players, Jacob Peterson, Ali's broadcast partner for the past couple of years, uh, Matt Beasler, Sessanovic, and those guys have already, uh, you know, their, their careers have come to an end, and, and this is the last of that group, those trophy-winning teams from – 2012 all the way through 2017 they won three u.s open cups in an mls cup they are immortalized at children's mercy park and of course it's going to be very interesting to see what the next chapter of the lives of graham zussi and roger espinoza looks like those guys will be as involved in soccer as they want to be if they want to be involved they will be involved at a high level i can also see graham zussi going off to the mountains and living in a hammock by himself and not talking to anybody for a few years too so we'll We'll wait and see how that all goes. We're going to take a break. We're going to have a conversation with Tom Bogert when we come back. And then also Allie and I will relive our favorite moments from this 2023 season and some big news on the international front coming to Kansas City. That's straight ahead on the Sporting Kansas City Show. 
You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC soccer. Wherever you get your podcast, stream your content, all that stuff, we appreciate you downloading and listening. We'll be rejoined by Ali Trost Martin here in a little bit. I'm really excited for our next guest, a guy that I got to know in person for the first time this year at the MLS All-Star Game presented by Audi in uh, in Washington, D.C., where we might have had a beer together or two. But I've uh, been following this guy for a long time on social media, listening to all of his coverage, reading all of his coverage at The Athletic. If you are an, an MLS fan, if you are a fan of the game of soccer in the United States, he is a must-follow. His name is Tom Bogert from The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Tom Bogert, T-O-M-B-O-G-E-R-T. Newly engaged as well, man. I mean, the world is your oyster right now, Tom. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Nate, what's going on, man? Yeah, so a few things have changed uh, since I saw you over the summer. Uh, new apartment, engagement, and because my lovely, lovely fiance is extremely type A, within a week of being engaged, we had um, our date, venue, and wedding band, so... It's been a whirlwind. I don't even know uh, where I am or what I'm doing. It's just, you know, go here, go there, take a flight to Columbus. All right, let's go. The season's over. What? How did this happen? <laughs> you know, why spread those things out? Just get it all done right away, <laughs> you know, uh, pile it all up on your plate and then see what, what it looks like at the end of it. That's the way I see it. And, hey, speaking of that, um, I thought it was the perfect time to have you on because – the minute this MLS regular season was over, it's time to start making moves. And obviously in Kansas City, it was like they, they, their playoff game was over. And then by that Friday, big news like players like Graham Zussi and Roger Espinoza, uh, you know, the, their their options were declined. And the, their time as Sporting Kansas City players have come to an end. So, And, I mean, I'm, I'm following your Twitter feed, and it's just boom, 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 announcement after announcement. How crazy has this past week uh, plus been for you? Yeah, so, like, the juxtaposition for me every year where – Playoffs start, so this year that's 11 teams are done. But there's still a bunch of playoff games, and we're building towards this. I want to watch every single game, and there was more games with the, with the best of three round one games. Um, So it's like you, the time to absolutely be locked into all that, and it's exciting. We're building toward that all year. But then the other side of like, oh, it's off-season time. It's go time for the other 11 teams. So just this month is always – it's always a whirlwind. It, it's fun. It, it's hectic. It's crazy of like – you're, you're watching games, talking to people involved in the games, but it's like also, all right, I need, there's all this other stuff happening as all these teams are making their moves. And then the balance can, continues to shift where right now there's two teams left. And then like the, it fully feels like the off season. It's like, oh wait, like, and one more game, the biggest one, the one we've been building up for, for nine months or whatever. Right. Like it, it is weird doing all of the like off season news. And, and I've been reporting on all of these coaching uh, vacancies and, and coaching hires and everything. And it's like, Oh yeah, like LAFC and Columbus are about to play for the trophy. The whole reason why all these coaching changes are happening, the whole reason why we're doing all this. Um, so it, it's always interesting, particularly like in my seat, where like the off season is is the season, right? Like the same way, like there is no like that that yeah. that needs to be where I'm performing well, right? Like I, I can't have I can't be missing sitters and everything, right? Like so, so it's all fun. Well, hey, before we get into all that off season stuff. Um, let's talk about this, this cup final for a moment. Cause it really deserves it. I know uh, I just told you before we took the air, my wife and I are headed out to my wife said she's always dreamed of going to Columbus, Ohio in December, you know, spending the holidays there. You rightly pointed out, she's a hell of a person for being willing Thanks. to go with me. Uh, shout out companion pass on Southwest. But, um, <laughs> 
I think the only reason she's agreed to go is because Elie is playing, and she, you know Elie oh, yeah. is one of our favorite human beings from when his time in Kansas City. But what a matchup this is! I think a lot of people I've talked to covering the league all season long have felt like Columbus has been maybe the most exciting or attractive yeah. style of soccer to watch all year long. And LAFC almost speak for themselves with what they do and the star power of players like Bawanga and Vela. Uh, is this a low-key great matchup? Is this a high-key great match? How do you describe uh, the anticipation for this one? Yeah, high-key great matchup. Um, well, I did my – every year I write watchability rankings – um, to, you know, just sort the teams on like the basic premise of if everybody is playing at the same time, what game am I going to put on my biggest screen and what game mm. am I going to care about most? Columbus was first for me. Right. And, and I was doing a lot of, they, they were super interesting off the field as well because of, of they, they had a really busy summer transfer window. So they went from like, when I wrote the watchability rankings before the summer window opened, I was like, this team is, is so much fun. And in part, because there's so much fun is like, they have fatal flaws that like, they're not a real contender. Coming out of the summer, I was like, they made these three moves, including a couple defenders, and really short things up. And I was like, okay, they went from like, oh, this is a fun, cute, exciting team. I can't wait to watch them and, you know, win 3-2 or lose 3-2, right? To they're a legitimate contender. Um, and the fact that they're here is a testament to that. And the juxtaposition of the way LAFC plays. So Columbus want to break you down with the ball and, you know, death by a thousand passes and do everything pretty and and, and stick to their aesthetic game. LAFC are super exciting to me as well because I, I love a high pressing like kind of a transition team as well because that can also be beautiful and so it, it's going to be a really really fun matchup of two super defined styles and they're going to play into each other's hands right like LAFC are probably going to be content to let Columbus have more of the ball and Columbus are going to try to attack which gives LAFC the chance to counter in, in the in the spaces for Denny Buanga and Kiki Oliveira and all this so like the matchup is, is great in terms of star power, the matchup is great in terms of tactical, I guess, you know, the tactical chess match that comes and and that both of these teams naturally are going to be able to do exactly what they want. And both of them are going to be happy that the other one is trying to do exactly what they want, right? So it's super fascinating and I really can't wait uh, to, for this game. It's going to be great. It's coming up at three o'clock central time on Saturday, MLS season pass. It's also on Fox. I encourage everybody to watch it. It's going to be a really, really entertaining game from a, from a new venue to a great stadium in major league soccer as well. All right, Tom, before we run out of time, I I, I know we, we I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on all the stuff that's going around around the league, but uh, we're limited on time for the show. Sporting Kansas city, I think have a very interesting off season ahead of them. Mention the fact that Roger Espinosa and Graham Zussi are gone. A couple of other players, uh, the, the, the options were declined on like Cam Duke and, and uh, Kendall McIntosh. But I think the biggest question mark coming into this offseason is the future of Gotti Kinda. Uh, we saw how much better sporting Kansas City were on the field when he played. Um, they, they need some sort of creative midfield presence. But, and Peter Vermees said they're still working. It's a possibility. Uh, your thoughts on, 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 on this situation surrounding Gotti Kinda and how important that is in the league right now? Yeah, so I'll start with, you know, just trying to ask around, you know, from what I've heard, and this isn't definitive or, or means it's done, but from what I've heard, it, it seems unlikely he'll be back, or at least more likely that he leaves than the not. Um, it's it's an interesting one for me, right? Like, if if he was like, I'm not coming back unless I have a DP deal, then I don't think you do it, because I don't think that you can have yeah. the injury risk of Polito and Kinda on your DP list, right? And they could still add another DP, even if they brought back in on a DP deal. But if he, if there was some leeway there, 
that he could be under that threshold, I'd, I'd really consider it. And it just depends on, on what your offseason plans are, what you think the budget is going to be from ownership to go out and spend. Because if Kinda doesn't come back, as it seems likely, they're going to need a significant investment to bring in, in another attacking midfielder, right? Like Eric Tommy is, is a creative player and, and, and a very good player as well, but they need another kind of creative option in the midfield. And, and if we're being greedy here, if they have four or five million dollars to throw at the transfer fee, that would be fantastic for this group. And, and one of the things that I'm looking at, like they have a couple veterans, right? Like Alan Polito is going to be 33 and, and Rodoya is, is in his early 30s and, and Fontas and Danny Rosero is in his 30s. Like the, these guys are, you know, end of prime and, and, and still kind of in those years. So if they're able to get like an early prime type of number 10, that that's more in the age profile of like Daniel Shallowy or, or again, Eric Tommy, I know that he, he's, you know, a late, thir- uh, late 20, sorry, or early or maybe 30, whatever it is, they have a good kind of balance. And if the next DP that comes in is on the younger side, I think that would be really useful for this group. And they possibly could have another designated player spot yeah. in addition to that. Yeah. Do you have yeah, any thoughts on where they would look to spend that money? It would be the spending versus if, if like that, that's no easy task. And like just the, the way that the, the cap would be balanced, you'd have to put in a lot of allocation money to buy down Johnny Russell and Eric Tommy. And again, it, it's something that, that could be possible, but but maybe that there's a better way to spend that money kind of across the squad or, you know, they definitely need to bring in another center back. Um, again, if we're being greedy, I'd, I'd say a starting caliber center back to both challenge and rotate with Fontos and Rosero. Like, they they were super light. They got very lucky that that both of those players were available pretty much from the day that Rosero debuted. I'm pretty sure that they started damn near every game down the stretch. And like that's awesome. And if they're the first choice, that's still solid too. But you don't want to go into a point next year where you're banking on, you know, 34 starts from each of them, right? Like that's just not a great spot to be in. So maybe it makes more sense to you know, have Eric Tommy holding that third DP spot. So you have more allocation money to bring in, you know, a TAM level kind of center back, somebody like that's in the Fontas and Rosero range in, in terms of their salary and, and budget hit. We're visiting with Tom Bogert. What, what about changes to the, to the salary cap this year? I've seen some reports and suggestions out there, and I know you love when those rumors start to <laughs> swirl, Tom. It's forcing you to chase things that aren't substantiated at all. Um, do you see any major changes to the salary structures or anything like that this offseason? Yeah, look, I mean, I'll say the reports that you've seen that have come out in the summer, like things hadn't even been really discussed yet, like let alone whether the changes were coming or not. That was just wildly premature. And, and you know, I had people reaching out to me being like, where the hell did these people get this stuff from and, and put it out on Twitter? So it, this is good timing because myself and, and my colleague, Paul Tenorio, more so Paul, because he's much smarter and much better at this than I am. He and I are, are writing a story kind of about the rule changes. How did rules get changed and what we've kind of heard on, on what could happen um, right now in Phoenix at the combine for MLS. There's chief soccer officer meeting. So the GM of every single team right now is, is at a hotel in Phoenix and they're talking about this stuff. Next week after MLS Cup, there's a board of governors meeting where all the owners are going to be together to vote on this stuff. And, and we'll find out next week what the changes are going to be. Um, not to give away much of my heart of the article that's coming out, which I'll encourage you to read because Paul has been working on this for a long time. And I kind of came in at the back post here for a tap and to help him to help him get it over the line. So I, I feel like a tap in merchant on this one. But um, one of the lines that I got from a source I was talking to was like, yeah, you know, Messi changes things, World Cup, uh, Apple TV, all all the things that you've heard. But it's like, you know, 
will we see bigger changes going into 24 or will we see bigger changes going into 25 when, when there's kind of more time to implement and stuff and teams that had been planning. So I'm not ruling out big changes per se, but like whatever happens this off season is not it. That's not like, all right, Messi came, we changed the rules and, and now we're all good. Like this is going to be something that continues to build and continues to be revisited by ambitious owners and, and by ambitious CESOs around the league. I love all of the metaphors we're getting from Tom. Tom clearly sees himself as a striker because he said he's not missing sitters and he's <laughs> he's, he's he's tapping he's poaching goals at the back post too, man. No, I no, no. I'm I'm immensely <laughs> exhausted. Question. I'm 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 a, cre- a creator, not not a finisher. So maybe uh, but you know, just the tapping one that that's easier. Yeah. You know, the, the forwards get all the love. <laughs> hey, Tom. Um, I think it's all going to be a really fascinating offseason. And with Copa America coming to the United yeah. States next year as well, I think we can all agree that the momentum for this thing in this country just keeps growing. And so I'll just finish it with this. You, you've been you've been following this league, obviously not more than following. You've been right in the middle of it. You've been in the thick of it. These next three years, how, how what's the most exciting thing to you about it or what do you how how much do you dare to dream of what what is capable of happening over the next three years yes look uh, maybe three years is going to be too soon for realistic expectations but my big goal for this league is has always been the best of the rest right outside of the top five not just the best outside of europe but the best of the top five first you know look the argentine league brazilian league better than MLS right now particularly at the top Copa Libertadores can't compete um, the best Liga MX teams like Jolos and not Jolos, sorry, um, Monterey, Tigres and Chivas, they're probably a little bit better, but like the average MLS team is better than best than the average Liga MX team. So we're on the right track and that's only going to continue. And again, three years is probably too short, but the trajectory that, that this league is going, the, the gains and the, the upward movement, just even from two, three years ago, like, where could we be in three years? Where could we be in five years? And like the path that this league is on, I think is so encouraging. And I know I sound like a company man or a homer and somebody who did it. We dedicate all of our all of our free time to this. So we better hope that it's going to continue to improve or, <laughs> or the two of us are even you know crazier than, than we are. Right. Like so. But I do truly believe that there is going to be a day, you know, probably not in three years because that, that's a super short timeline. But we're going to keep going in that direction where one day you're going to talk about the top five leagues in Europe. And then MLS is going to be in that conversation for, you know, six, seven, and eight, right? Like it's going to be with Brazil, Syria, um, Belgium, and the Netherlands, right? Like we might not have an Ajax in our league, but like if you plopped Sporting Kansas City in the Eredivisie, I think they'd finish mid-table. I think that they'd knock around some of those, uh, you know, bottom half Dutch teams. And, and that's kind of the difference. And, and I think that well and truly this league can get there. And, and, uh, and I can't wait for it to continue. Yeah, I guess I kind of see this next th- these next three years. That this year, kind of the start of it in some ways. Yeah, it, it's like it's like a launch pad. It's it's a it's a it's a building up to to all those things that you just said. And I think maybe that part is ex- is as exciting to me. You know, they, they they say life is a journey, not a destination. You know, that journey of what this league has already been. It's already been a heck of a journey. But I think these next yeah. three years, it's. It's like that that arc just seems like it's it's really tipping up. Hey, Tom, and I honestly, I will say this. This is going to sound like uh, pandering as well, but one of the steps to get there is having great coverage. You know, it, it you have to have people like Tom Bogart out there that are getting all the stories for us, staying up late at night, calling every single GM in the <laughs> league and technical director and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's really a really important component to it. So thanks for everything that you do, man. Have a great time, Columbus. Save a beer for me when I get there, and, uh, and and I'll see you this weekend, pal. 
Yeah, man. I beer, beer's on me for that very, very nice outro. There, appreciate you, bro. <laughs> He's he didn't miss any sitters today. We know that much. He knocked all of them home. That's Tom Bogert from the Athletic. You can follow him on social media at Tom Bogert. B O G E R T. We'll be back to wrap things up with Ali Trost Martin right after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up on this edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB, and wherever you get your podcasts. Wrapping it up here, Allie, and uh, I'm going to say before we get into all of the news, we heard from Tom about this MLS Cup Final. I, I want your pick real quick. Who do we who do we think is going to win? Columbus, the home side, LAFC, the visitors on Saturday afternoon. Oh, this is such a tough one to pick because I, these are two teams that I think are really coming into this final with some really great momentum. Um, but I'm going to go LAFC. I think I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to go back to back. And I just I feel so strongly about the quality on this team, the depth on this team and the fact that they've played in a final and lost this year. I think that is invaluable experience. They've just been in these situations with this group. And, and I think they get it done. I think they go back to back. First time in uh, in quite some time. What say you? Maybe Elia hits the game winning penalty again. You know, Elia had a great a game. Was... I thought uh, I only yeah. was able to catch the last twenty minutes against Houston, but I I mean, yeah, that would be incredible. So, all right, Ali. Uh, before we get to our memories from this past season, there was some news that came out this past week, and I think this is really big news. Children's Mercy Park and Arrowhead Stadium are going to be host sites for the Copa America, which is coming to the United States next summer. The 48th edition of the oldest national team tournament in the world will be held in 14 stadiums across the United States. Uh, The first ever Copa America match in Kansas City will be on June 25th at Children's Mercy Park between a couple of Group A teams. In addition, GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium will host the United States men's national team on July 1st in their Copa America group stage finale. Uh, so these, wh- this is great. I mean, just having the Copa America in the United States is amazing. To have two matches in Kansas City is even better. It is going to be incredible for Kansas City and just for this sport here in the United States, I can't think of a better tune-up for the World Cup. I mean, we, that's been what we have been talking about so much ever since, you know, Kansas City was announced as a host city, ever since we knew and learned that the World Cup would be coming to, to North America. This is going to be a huge opportunity, and especially for the United States, if they're able to, to really have a successful run in Copa America, I think it's going to really help set the stage for what we're all looking to as being a, a pivotal moment, a launch pad uh, for soccer domestically. And we're going to get to see some of the best athletes in the world, the best teams in the world competing here on American soil. It's going to be so fun. And no surprise, soccer capital of America uh, getting to uh, host matches both at Arrowhead and at Children's Mercy Park. Very well-deserved. And I know a lot of hard work goes in behind the scenes to to put Kansas City in these positions. And uh, it's just, it's really awesome to see. And no surprise to anyone who's uh, been to, to either venue and that's been to Kansas city. Okay. The, uh, the official draw takes place Thursday night at six 30. So we're this, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, airing on sports radio, eight ten WHB on a Wednesday evening. So tomorrow night, uh, we'll find out what all of the, uh, the matchups are for that. Okay. Allie, it's time now your favorite memory 
from 2023 uh, as oh. you look back on what was a, a heck of a roller coaster of a season? It's got to be the sweep of St. Louis, but in particular, the second game, um, the big win at home, the atmosphere at Children's Mercy Park was one of the best that I can remember. It's right up there at the top um, with some of the other great games I've been able to witness, which also includes a U.S. Open Cup win in 2017. But that was my birthday. Um, as many of you listening know, and Nate, as you know, I'm from St. Louis originally. Uh, I've converted my parents to sporting Kansas City fans over the last couple of years. They got to be there. My husband Tom was there just getting to celebrate that win uh, with my family to see sporting go out and get the job done in such a dominant way against their rival after the two just really terrible losses during the regular season for sporting to come out. Uh, and win the head-to-head battle on the year uh, and knock off the number one seed was just something I will never forget. And I think uh, was also just really letting the rest of the league know what we all got to see from the Sporting Kansas City team uh, as they really started to heat up and turn it on uh, down, down the final stretch of the season. So that was just unbelievable. So much fun. Logan and Denbe, the hero. I just, oh, it was perfect. I loved it. That, uh, you know, that was one where I had some serious FOMO because I wasn't able to be in the building. <laughs> I was doing a game for Fox that day. Um, so I'm going to go a little personal with mine as well. And it was decision day because I got the chance to call that match for Apple and actually be in the building at Children's Mercy Park on what was a massive game for Sporting KC. And to me, the most heroic moment of Johnny Russell's time in Kansas City because he was playing with the, with the leg injury that he suffered uh, in practice leading up to that game. And he went out and had one of those Johnny Russell moments, two of them, uh, in that game. And it was a decisive win and Sporting Kansas City punched their ticket to the postseason and, and had that opportunity to me to get that series win over St. Louis is what made the season a success for me. If you're, if you're a Kansas city fan totally. and, and uh, setting it up was that decision day. So that was my favorite memory of the season, which, uh, which leads me to some other news that we have on the show, Allie. And I don't want uh, I, I don't want to end it. I don't, <laughs> this, I don't know how we describe this. It's, it's an emotional moment. But it's, I think, an exciting one. Um, you took over for me and did a tremendous job as the play-by-play voice of Sporting Kansas City for this past year. Uh, there's nobody I would have rather uh, followed in my footsteps in that job, and it was a job that meant a whole lot to me for eight years. Um, but you've got big things coming. Um, you've been at uh, CBS Galazzo Network uh, quite a bit here of late. What's happening now going forward? Yeah. So, uh, man, bittersweet's just kind of been the, uh, <laughs> the story of this show, uh, bittersweet end of the season for sporting Kansas city, bittersweet, the ends of, uh, the time for Graham Zussi and Roger Espinoza at sporting. And, um, yeah, this was my, my first and last year doing the radio play by play, which I, honestly, like, I, I didn't think I was going to like make me emotional to say that, but it, it kind of just gave me a little, uh, stab at the heart there, um, saying those words out loud. Um, I am taking on a bigger role with CBS Sports and the Galazzo Network as a host, which has been uh, something I've done quite a bit over the last few months. So big shout out to Sporting Kansas City and uh, the entire team over there that's just been so supportive of me and Nate. I know you've felt this way as well. Um, really supportive of my career even beyond my role at Sporting Kansas City. I think that's something that's really unique about this club and something that I've been a direct beneficiary of. I'm also a smarter soccer media person because of my role at Sporting Kansas City and getting to work around the likes of 
Peter Vermees, Carrie Zavagnin, Zoran Savic, Ash Wallace, the entire uh, medical staff, all of the players who have taken the time to, to talk the game with me. It's helped. All of those things have helped get me to this position and learning under someone like you, Nate, as well, has been something that has been invaluable. I'm lucky to call you a friend now. And I'll be honest, I was scared out of my mind stepping into that role. I did not have a ton of play-by-play experience coming in. Doing play-by-play is hard enough. Uh, I've learned that very much that I knew that going in and that has been uh, affirmed this past year, but it's even harder doing it on radio. And and I think for me, I I was really proud of the way that I was able to, as the season wore on, kind of find my, my voice a little bit. And I've learned so much. I feel like I've grown as a broadcaster and I got a chance to call games for a club that I'm so passionate about and got to continue on, um, what was a dream job for me? And not everybody gets to say that they get to live out their dream job. And I can say with 100% sincerity, working on the broadcast team for Sporting Kansas City, whether it was on the sidelines uh, starting back in 2021 or getting to do the radio play-by-play this last year as the voice of Sporting Kansas City, I was living out my dream job. And that is something I will always be so, so just like overjoyed about and have made some of the best memories of my life and my career over the last few years. And I'm just, yeah, so grateful to have represented the club in this way. And I'm excited to step into my new role with CBS and continue to grow there in bigger ways. And uh, I promise I will be insufferable as a Sporting KC fan, repping the club (laughs) on the network and waving the flag. I, uh, you know, just am a fan for life and um, I'm just so grateful for all the incredible memories made with our incredible broadcast team, Jacob Peterson. uh, I have to shout him out. It's been so fun calling the games with him this last year. He made what was something that was really kind of scary for me and a lot of unknown territory uh, feel so much more comfortable. And so I just have to give a huge shout out to to Jake because man, also to start the season, it's been, it was an incredible year, but my God, I can tell you uh, starting out on a new <laughs> role and not getting to call a win for 10 games to start the season. Uh, that's really challenging. It's a hard enough job when you're calling games for a team uh, when they're not doing well, you got to get creative. And I just, I I'm really grateful for this last year and, and yeah, to, to have lived out, a dream job. I am sporting blue for life. You cut me open and I bleed sporting blue. So I uh, just, man, I, I, this city and this club has given me so much and I, yeah, I'm literally going to cry. <laughs> like I'm just, I don't even know what to say. It's so, it's so bittersweet, but I will say this. I'm very excited that, you know, I, I will still be back and forth between Kansas city and Connecticut. Um, when I'm in Kansas City, I cannot wait to be a fan at the game. So please hit me up. I'd love to come share a beer with some of you uh, out at the match. And hopefully we're cheering on sporting to uh, some big and exciting new heights in, in 2024. And it's going to be weird to be on that side of it. But I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to just going to some games as well. Allie, we are so proud to, uh, to call <laughs> you a part of the Sporting Kansas City family. Nobody is surprised by your meteoric rise and all the great things that you're doing. And we know that so much more is, has, uh, is to come. And uh, I don't know how, but I've got to figure out a way to s- just stay in touch with you. Cause I love our catch-ups. This has been so much fun. And we Nate, can't wait you're to see a friend for life. So I'm sporting blue yeah. for life, but you all our whole broadcast crew. I love that. We still have our, our group chat going from, from all the way back in uh, when we first started in 2021 and, and you guys have all become like family 
Brad Martell, Todd Kinsey, uh, every single person that I've worked with, uh, Dylan, Blake, the crew at, at Sports Radio 810 producing our shows, the Drake, who God love them, answered so many, t- Todd Lebo, like so many people who helped put on uh, our broadcast and make things happen. Dave Borchard, Chad Reynolds, all of our uh, wonderful Final Whistle postgame shows that we've done. Blake Arney, who has has come in and really been like a, a valuable part of the team, helping provide stats, on-air presence. I mean, I've just really been so lucky to work with some of the best of the best and people who I respect uh, and have now gotten a chance to call friends as well. So it is truly a family and one that I'm you can't get rid of me. You're, I'm still a part of the family. Uh, you just won't hear my voice on the calls next year. However, I will be happy to fill in if ever needed and available. Um, so, yeah. And maybe, not maybe, definitely a future guest, celebrity guest on the Sporting (laughs) Kansas City show going forward. That's it. We're out of time. Allie, we will see you soon. For everybody, thanks for listening all year long. Next year is going to be here before you know it. Happy holidays, and we will see you next year on the Sporting Kansas City show. So long, everybody.